Well, we're going to jump into today's talk, and we're in a series called Mosaic, Exploring Brokenness and Beauty. And I'm going to start right away just reading this, this one scripture that I think is just going to help frame our talk today and give us a sense of, um, just kind of give us uh, the context of what we're talking about. So I'm going to start this way today. So um, Isaiah chapter 43, verse uh, 16 to 19. So just listen to this. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God, would you lead us as we jump into not only this text, but this whole message today in various scriptures. God, lead us and guide us and speak to us in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to I keep these verses, and particularly the last verse, if you can maybe keep it up there uh, for a moment, just in the background uh, of today's message. And it's this hopeful promise that God can do something new. It's an incredible promise that, that we can lean into, that God can do something new. The context, uh, just briefly, and we're not going to go dive into that too deeply, but the context is, is really Isaiah, this prophet, speaking into the life of Israel. Israel, this nation that is dependent on God, that has been led, led by God in many ways, but also has taken so many detours and a kind of a roller coaster ride in commitment and devotion to the Lord. And Israel's last memory, big, big last memory of God doing something new, is what's called the Exodus. And we read this in the scriptures in the book of Exodus. In fact, the prophet actually goes back to like how God led them through these things and opened the waters. And it's referencing back to that story where this nation who was captive and enslaved by Egypt was rescued by God and had this brand new start. And as Isaiah speaks into their heart and speaks into their life, we, we get a sense that, yes, Israel is in this broken season, this lost season, this almost season like they're in a desert. And they're feeling more broken and less, dis- less distro- uh, restored. And one of the, the beautiful things about this promise to them specifically is the desert or your season is not your final stop. It's kind of what God is saying. This season is not your final stop. That there is and will be a way out of the wilderness. There will be a stream in this desert that you're in. Now, we know the climactic prophecy of this points to Jesus. We know that. That's the big, big story of the Bible. But there's this idea in that that, that God is doing, what God, how God is doing something new can apply to your season and my season and to the seasons of our lives where we feel like we're in the wilderness or we feel like we're in a dry season or a broken season. Several years ago, when I was first uh, starting in full-time ministry, um, here at a church in the city, we'd, I'd connected a lot and, and worked with young adults in our church, and actually two of them are here today. It was so funny that they happened to be here today while I'm sharing this story. And so we took a bunch of young adults to, to Mount Orford to, to do a casual hike. 
And, uh, and I'm not a hiker in any you know, specific way, shape, or form, but, but we took a hike and we did that. Now, what was happening, we took this, it was really fun. We were, we were on the mountain and, and you know, following the trail. And, and then the group kind of like, you know when people have conversations when they're on a the hike? Like if you're like 15 people, there's people having these kind of group conversations. So I'm in like the back of the group and we, you know, we're talking and they're talking, but like you know, five minutes pass by, 10 minutes pass by, 15, 20 minutes pass by, and we realize like we don't see them anymore. And we're like, oh, I'm, well, I'm sure we'll just kind of follow the trail and we'll, we'll make it, you know? So this half of the group that I happen to be some kind of leader in, um, we're like, wait, well, wait a second. And we start realizing as we're walking, we're like, I don't know, this doesn't seem like the right way. This doesn't seem like we're going the right way. And we start to see things along the trail and we're thinking, I, I think we're lost. I think we're going the wrong direction. I think, and we're just now starting to freak out at this moment, wondering what's going to happen. And I wish, I wish we had John Roberts with us. John Roberts is... He's from our church. He works at John Abbott. He leads these outdoor adventures, but he wasn't with us. It was only me and this other group of lost people. So we were all lost. And it was really this wilderness moment. It was like either we stay lost or we try and get off this mountain. Because if you've ever climbed a mountain, it takes you a couple of hours to get up and a couple of hours to get down. And if you're lost, you don't know how long that's going to take. So we're like, we got to get off this mountain. So we made this decision. Well, we, we see that like the mountain kind of goes down this way and we saw light beyond the trees. We thought maybe that's just the road, you know, a mile or two down the, down the hill. So we're like, okay, let's kind of follow that. Well, slowly, slowly, slowly we walk, we follow this trail and we find the road and we got out, but we were on the other side of the mountain and our cars were on the other side, like the opposite side. So we had to, like, we knocked on doors and people are freaking out. Who is this person? I remember, there's no cell phones back then. There's no GPS. There's no, like, call a friend, nothing. We're just, like, on the opposite side of Mount Orford Gate. And somebody opened the door and they drove me to the other side of the mountain. I got my car and I picked up the people. Crazy story. But sometimes we feel like that when we're in the middle of a broken season. And we're wondering, is there a way out? Am I going to get out? Now, the story ended well. And, and, and it could have ended worse, but it ended well. We got out. But we often, in, those, in these seasons of our lives, we wonder, is there, a way, is there a way out? Is there anything I can do? Is there a step I can take? Is there something that can help me move forward? And so far in this, season, in this series that we've been in called Mosaic, we've, we've discovered and discerned, yes, there are broken people among us. Don't hide it. Don't go it alone. Let's um, grow together. We discovered last week that there's a place for our brokenness. It's the brokenness of Jesus. He was broken for us. Every time we break bread as a church community, we remember the brokenness of Christ. And that reminds us that he can associate with our brokenness and and he can redeem our brokenness. And there's healing for our brokenness when we place it in his brokenness. We were reminded of that last week. Next week, we're going to end our series talking about how God uses all of us, regardless of where we are in, in, in seasons of life, even in broken parts of our life, how God uses that in a beautiful way. And I'm excited to end that next week. But I felt like we, just, we, we needed something in the middle of what we've been talking about to help us even have one or two steps out of a season of brokenness. I want to talk about that today, this kind of way out of brokenness. And I want to remind us, we said last week briefly that you know, all brokenness when you come to Christ is temporary. Whether it's temporary in the moment, in the present, or it's temporary into all eternity, it's still temporary. And we said last week a couple of things I want to remind you of. Jesus said these words, right? He said, uh, you will have trouble, right? Yeah, that's the one. You will have trouble, but 
I have overcome the world. So we got that from Jesus. We get it. We, we live at times in a painful experience, a broken experience, a broken world. We will have trouble or some versions, trials and tribulations. But the amazing promise, I have overcome the world. So we see there's already hope there. Paul, uh, we, we, we just read from him last week as well, where, where he writes to the Philippian church, and that's the next uh, slide on the screen that just talks about that, where he says, you know, he, Jesus, who began a good work in you. So he's saying, hey, something has started in you. And you might be in the middle of the journey, but he says, he, the same he, Jesus, who began a good work in you, will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. In other words, he's not finished with you. He's not finished with me. Whether it's growth or spiritual maturity or even out of brokenness, God's not finished with us. In other words, something new is possible. So there's this biblical hope that we get. Something new is possible, but it will also require something of us. That's important to know. It'll also require a response from us. Now, I'm really cautious because when I speak, many of you don't know this, but I have like this internal uh, almost analytical, frantic part of me that I'm missing someone who I'm speaking to. But what about their situation? What about their situation? And oh my gosh, I just spoke to them and I know what I said doesn't really meet them personally, but hopefully God does something in the middle of that. I'm frantic about that because I know that I can't possibly personally speak to every single one of your unique situations, right? So pray for me. It's just a constant, constant like, you know, you know kind of noise in my mind. But but I think some of the things we'll share is helpful for all of us at some point or some season in our lives. And here's the first, this first idea that it will require something from us. And these two kind of large umbrella ideas. And the first one is this. We must know the source of our brokenness. If we want to move out of a season of brokenness, we must know the source of our brokenness. That's really important. Some of us, and I felt it too, seasons of our lives where I feel like I'm on a treadmill, right? And you're just running and running and running, and you think you're getting somewhere, but you're not because you're just on a treadmill. And that's okay if you're working out, but it's horrible if you're trying to get away from something, right? And so often we will feel like that trying to get out of a broken season. It feels futile. It feels draining. It feels discouraging. And it feels like, oh my gosh, am I getting anywhere? And often we feel like that because we even haven't started to recognize the source. It's funny, a couple of, it's been a couple of years, and some of you will totally not believe this because of, of what you see visually, but it's been a couple of years that I've actually grown to like exercise. And, and, and it's like, like, I used to you know, sign up to a gym for three months and then like just cancel and leave. I actually, there's something that I like about it now, and I like, like biking sometimes and running. And, um, and it, I've been more active in the last three years than I was in my 20s and 30s. I don't know why. Now, if you know me, my shirt size hasn't changed in all that time. So obviously, it's only to make me feel good. So it has done nothing. But here, this is the thing, right? What I didn't want to realize, what I didn't want to realize is the source of my shirt size is 80% of what I eat and not what I do, right? So I could run and bike and go to the gym, but it, that wasn't the solution for my issues, right? And so I realized, well, what's the source of that? The source, there's a bigger source. There's a more important source than just running or being active, and so there's these biblical metaphors all over the scriptures, and we don't have time to get into them, but they often point to dealing with the root of something. And this is important for all of our lives, but it's also important for 
what's the cause of our brokenness? And the scriptures encourage us to get to the source. I love this psalm, Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. As the writer comes to the end of this psalm, he says these words. I want to read it slowly and reflectively and let them sit with you. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. Did you catch the attitude of the psalm writer? Did you see the the, the heart of his prayer? This open-ended decision, God, search me. God, know my heart, know my thoughts. Help me understand my ways. And he gets so serious. See if there's any offensive way in me because I long to be on the road to everlasting. But see if there's anything offensive in me. Now, when we read the word offensive, we automatically kind of maybe our minds turn to sin. You know, what's sinful in my life or what's wrong in my life? And of course, that's a part of what this, this prayer is about. But it's more than that. Do you think that God only, only wants to clear out the sin in our lives? That's big. That's important. That's key. But what about the unhealthy things? What about the hurtful things? What about the false beliefs we have, the false lies we've bought into, the wounds that have been done to us? You think it would be wrong to pray, Lord, see if there's any way in me that stops me towards a life of everlasting. You think it would be wrong to pray? You think God would not want you or me to discern those things so that we might live in the way of everlasting? So the heart of this is know the source of your brokenness. You know, if you're married, you, might, you, you will catch this. My wife and I have had the same conversations for years. We've been married for 20 years. So we've had some of the same conversations, some of the same obstacles, some of the same uh, issues that have come up, some of the same conclusions, and some of them are still broken. <laughs> you, you, am I the only one? No? Okay. The only ones where we have grown out of, the only issues that we have grown out of are the ones that we dug deeper into are the ones that we actually stopped and said, what's the cause of this? Are the ones where we actually sat with someone and said, this is kind of like what we wrestle with, and we end up getting down to the kind of the the, the dirt of it. You know, why do you think like that? Why do I think like that? What experience does this come out of? What lie have you been believing? What lie have I been believing? How long has this pattern been at work? In other words, there's been moments, the only times when we've been able to move out of some of those things is when we said, search me, God. Know me, know my thoughts. Is there any way in us that's stopping us from this way of everlasting? And this is so key, and I wrote this on the screen for us to just grasp. It's hard to know the way out unless you discover what got you there. It is hard to know the way out of something unless you discover what got you there in the first place. So we have to ask the question, what has been a contributor to my brokenness? What has been a contributor to this wound? What has been a contributor to this season of my life? It's so huge. And it's not something I can answer for you. It's something that you need to take time with, and I'll talk about that in a second. A couple of years ago, our church gave um, to a local organization called Friends for Mental Health during our Christmas season. And out of that giving, I had a great conversation with the director, 
And uh, she was so passionate about an issue that was just on the rise a couple of years ago, and, and we'd all recognize that it's the case. She was just talking about teens and teenagers who are more and more increasingly struggling with mental health, depression, anxiety. And in the States, if you've heard about this, crazy stories about like clinics that are open for teenagers that, that, are, that struggle in, in very significant ways and even struggle with um, you know, social media addiction, device addiction, and all the adults in the room says, yes, I do as well. Like We can just all admit that. But here, here's the thing. She was kind of telling me this serious situation. She says, do you know I've been reading these studies about the sources of, of where some of these things are happening? Say hi to whoever that is on the phone. So, um, so, so I said, what's the deal? And so she was said, I've been reading these studies that when a teenager goes to bed and they, they keep their phone in their bed or they put it on the side table, then their friend texts them at two in the morning and they look and they're like, oh, maybe I should text them back. And so they have a texting conversation for 10 minutes and that leads them to a social media app and they start kind of like going through their Instagram or Snapchat or other things like that. And then they maybe jump onto a game on their phone and now they've lost an hour of sleep in the critical times of their sleep and they wake up sleep deprived They go to school and they're not having a great day and this pattern goes over and over and over again and she says the studies are showing more and more that this is one of the root causes of some of the brokenness in teenagers' lives. I'm not saying it's the only cause and we need to give, if you're a parent of a teenager, give them grace and love them, encourage them and and, uh, we all deal with this stuff too but she was trying to help me know there is some root causes on what happens on the other end of a spectrum. So know the source. And it's going to take two things, I think, from each and every one of us. It's going to take introspection, looking inside ourselves, like the psalmist says, taking time to discern through things and practices that are countercultural to our world. Solitude, silence, reflection, Sabbath, journaling, prayer, these practices that help us slow down and stop to ask God and to reflect in our own hearts, Lord, show me the source. You know how many verses there are in scriptures that say things like, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, enlighten my heart. Lord, show me the way. God, give me wisdom. These are all cries of saying, Lord, help me to know what is going on.